Welcome to the CityDAO podcast. I'm your host, Eric Gilbert Williams. CityDAO is exploring decentralized asset ownership on chain, starting with a simple piece of land purchased in Wyoming during 2021. Each parcel of land becomes an NFT that can be owned collectively by the DAO or by individuals just like you and me. CityDAO is a DAO. In other words, it's a decentralized autonomous organization, meaning that land governance, treasury, and other things, including this show you're listening to right now, are all managed by the community. Check out the FAQ at citydao.io to learn more, or check out the CityDAO Discord channel to get all the latest updates. Now let's get started with the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the CityDAO podcast. It's been a really exciting week here at CityDAO with the conclusion of the initial CityDAO Council 30-day term. So as a reminder, there were 21 citizens who were elected and put up their time to work relentlessly on building the foundations of our official charter. And that time has now come and it's also gone. It's amazing how time flies sometimes. And now the CityDAO charter has a foundation and a draft that's going through its review. And with us on the show today is Alex. Now, Alex was one of the 21 citizens elected into that council, and he's now completed serving his term along with everyone else on that council. So today we're going to talk about post-council reflections, forming a charter inside any DAO overall, What does ownership even really mean, especially in the context of a DAO? We'll talk a little bit about affordable housing and probably a whole bunch more too. So there's lots to cover here. Let's just dive right in. Alex, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to share my views and my experience so far. And how has your experience so far? I mean, just dive right in. I mean, the the term's over now. The City DAO Council is, what's the right word for that? Disbanded? Dissolved? Yeah, dissolving, I guess. Yeah, I think with a lot of nebulous organizations, it's sometimes hard a hard stop. So it's kind of a new point. And so things start dissolving, but someone has to push it forward still. So everyone's still involved in trying to find how to do that through the community and who to pull in. If we zoom out, it's been a wild ride since July when I first started to get involved in CityDAO. It's nothing like I expected. And it kind of captured me a lot more than I thought it would in the, in the very beginning. I've learned so much in the past seven or eight months. I mean, it's just been kind of consuming and I've evolved views of how I think about ownership and how these organizations work. Yeah, often DAOs, especially like four months ago, they seem kind of like the magic pill of like, hey, well, we could just make a DAO and everything's going to be work. It's going to be great. Everyone's going to work together. We're going to solve the problem and we can get money and we're done, right? It'll be easy, of course. But there's challenges. And I think anyone that's spent some time trying to figure some of that stuff out, it's incredibly hard, but it's been rewarding. And yeah, I've learned a lot. And I think just being curious has been the biggest payoff. One of the things that strikes me over the past two months, like one of my big learnings and lessons, and you could say questionings on life is the subject of what is a city? I've never questioned the definition of a city before or explored what other contexts of a city could exist in terms of like, say, a network city versus a physical city versus a collective mindset or, or sharing similar values and you know, they make they cross borders. And so this concept of exploring what is a city is new to me. And I was reading your article on Medium about, you know, what is ownership? And I know you have some thoughts around that too. So what, what were like the big things you mentioned that a second ago, what were the big revelations that triggered your questioning internally about what is ownership? Well, yeah, you brought up the idea of network cities. I think that obviously has a lot of traction right now. And there's a lot of people trying to understand what that really means. So that was new to me. So that pushed me to learn about that. And yeah, cities are just collections of people and you know, bricks and mortar, basically. And cities, they're 
places where people gravitate towards. And then a lot of stuff happens, even just from proximity, people running into each other. And they're like these engines of society that produce stuff and pull really interesting people together. The article you mentioned, that was kind of what brought me into crypto and thinking about cities and places where people live. I like to say I got into crypto kind of through a back door. Obviously, I heard about it and the whole energy thing actually threw me off for a while. I couldn't wrap my head around why this is good. And then took a step back, didn't think about it for years. What do you mean the energy thing, sir? What does that mean? If you can clarify that. How much energy transactions take. It was like in 2016, I was like, this is really interesting. So I start taking a look and then reading about the energy piece. I'm like, well, this is ridiculous. Like, why is this good? My views on that have evolved and it's more nuanced. I think one interesting fact is that I learned kind of learning about energy and all this stuff. We used to fly checks around on planes before 2001, I think. Yeah. Which is like mind blowing. We used to put paper checks on planes and fly them across the country. When you really dive into it, right, and truly assess the energy consumption of the old slash current financial system, it's mind boggling. Yeah, there's a lot of great conversation around that. And yeah, the more you learn, the more you realize it's more nuanced. It's not one-to-one. You move gold bars around on trucks and you got armored vehicles driving around, which get what, eight miles a gallon probably. So yeah, I evolved a little bit and started to think about some of that more. And I found out about security tokens. So thinking about affordable housing, I didn't have a good solution, but through thinking about like there just has to be something better, like the way that you pay for and use housing it started to feel pretty antiquated and like there just has to be something. So I just started learning about it. I found security tokens and that was like an unlock piece for me that it's like, wait, if you can make these things really liquid, whether it's money or really equity in security tokens, you can do a lot. And making these things more liquid becomes really fascinating. And you think about, I live in an apartment, so my rental term is 12 months. You know, well, we use 12 months because it's easy. You know, it's easy to track account for, well, when you lock people up for a year, which is safer and less turnover and and costs and all the work involved. But it's kind of arbitrary. The more you liquefy some of the stuff, it can get smoother and you can monkey with stuff. So like I started learning about security tokens. I got really fascinated by Realty, which does fractionalized ownership of single family homes. So I learned a lot from them. I love that community. They're really open. They're transparent. They show kind of how they work, how they operate. I can't participate because I'm not an accredited investor. That is one thing that really kind of irks me. I think that'll slowly change, but I loved learning about how they architected that system. And so I stole a lot of those ideas from other projects to try and put something together. So long story short of that is, I think it's bullshit that you pay rent to a landlord, they turn around and pay a mortgage, they get the equity and yeah, you get a place to live, but after a certain amount of time, you don't get anything. There just has to be a better way. And I think crypto has a big part to play in that as it matures and people feel more comfortable understanding it, transacting in it. Yeah, I think there's a big piece to play there. Yeah, because you had this concept that I, what did you call that again? The staircase principle that you nicknamed it with something. Yeah, I nicknamed it staircase. And so the thought was, and this was before even understanding how DAOs or even understanding they existed really, or were about to exist in the form they are. I treated it as a standalone company. So I just gave it a nickname, Staircase. And I thought it was important that it was a standalone company because I think a lot of the ways we think about affordable housing now, they're usually adding some restriction. And once you add a restriction, 
you create an imbalance in the market. And it's more like if problems of affordable housing are about capitalism or people maximizing benefits for themselves, well, you need to fight fire with fire. No amount of rent control will fix that in the long term. You have to solve it with all of the natural forces of, of how this operates. And so if you can build the right incentive structure, it should just start working itself. And everyone just is looking out for each other. But you can design the system so it has benefits to everyone. Are you trying to maximize or spread those benefits out? To my understanding, the concept that you were exploring is, and this is a combination now of DeFi a little bit and fractionalized ownership and security tokens. Imagine I'm renting a place and I pay my mortgage in a smart contract to probably who knows who, an anonymous owner of the secured on-chain asset of the place that I'm living in. So this would go to that person or, or group of people, wherever it is it happens to be. And a certain portion of the transfer that I make on a monthly basis for my paying my rent would essentially go towards purchasing some of the security tokens that represent the physical land here. So I'm actually buying my place. Well, I'm buying my place with every mortgage payment in a small percentage way indefinitely, I guess you could say, until the full payment's done. So instead of needing to pay out a full mortgage term over X amount of years, well, first of all, that's one. There's a direct representation of physical ownership throughout that process of paying down the mortgage that's separate from... Because right now, if, if you own a place and you have your mortgage on it, you have to essentially take a snapshot in time whenever you're going to do a sale or reevaluation of the finance. And you have to... You don't know up until then. You have to take a snapshot of what's the value in the market and go to a realtor, figure that out, do your calculations on your mortgage payout and your interest payments that you haven't done yet probably a fee for paying out early. And it's a big process to find out, you know, how much equity do you really have and what's it really worth? And that's not an easy answer. And when you're renting, of course, you don't have access to any of the ownership at all. So you're kind of blending in this staircase model that any renter can start to own instantly as they're paying their rent ongoing. And one of the things that strikes me about that, if I make a prediction, if all of a sudden the rental market, the entire rental market is opened up to having a ownership rights instantly. What happens when supply and demand goes out of balance? If everyone can all of a sudden start buying a property, is that going to mean that all of a sudden everyone's trying to buy a property and maybe the prices go up or maybe prices don't move at all because everyone has equal access at the exact same time? I don't really know exactly. Have you thought about some of that? Yeah. The last point of do people start buying property to try and yeah, get ahead or some of that equity? I think that's actually exactly where we are right now. I have one friend that's successfully doing it, he bought, you know, like a five or six unit building. He lives in one of them and he rents the others out. And so it's very smart, right? You can do it. But I don't think that was happening to the extent it is now, like 50 years ago. And I've got other friends that like, well, I'll just start with one house and then I'll move into another and rent that one out. So we're treating housing as an investment vehicle. Like that's it. And that's the big problem. Like I want to treat housing as number one, shelter. And second, you can use it as an asset or something, but we're commodifying it a lot. It's just a thing on a balance sheet that makes us revenue. And on the flip side, giving more people to access in real estate is good. Things like crowdfund and fundrise, they're giving access, same with REITs, right? They give real estate access to normal people, which is good because it's something that appreciates over time. And it's a safe place to put money. But I think that trend just keeps intensifying. So if we keep going the route, everyone's piling money into real estate just to get gains. And the people that can't 
participate in that are the people that are just going paycheck to rent, right? And so if you're paying like over 30% of your income in rent, you have no savings to be able to put into real estate, but you're actually paying someone else's mortgage. And one, there's nothing wrong with that because that's how I think markets should operate in the most free way possible. Hence like fighting fire with fire, changing all the incentive mechanisms to combat that. But I think that's exactly where we are. And I think it's getting worse. I don't think 50 years ago, even like 100 years ago, we weren't thinking of like investment property in the way we are now. And I think it's getting a little out of control. And so this is a segue now into CityDAO. I mean, CityDAO is an experiment in decentralized land ownership. How does that look? How does it get shared? What's the process? What are the requirements? How can we work with lawmakers and regulators to support this process? And talking with Senator Rothfuss here earlier this week, clarified just how transparent and open some political figures in some states are in having these discussions. And so I'm assuming this, this is how you ended up finding deep interest in CityDAO and what really drew you to it. So what is your vision moving forward with CityDAO and some of this decentralized land ownership in conjunction with your project that you're working on here with the fractionalized ownership for renters? Yeah, my first interest was well, when I wanted to get involved in how you actually, you marry land or real estate and tokens, right? That's the primitive and people are doing it, right? But that's kind of the first primitive. And this was my chance just as like a normal person to say, hey, I'm going to put my hand up. I'm going to jump in and give opinions and try and help put the puzzle together. So it's been like a one curiosity, one I'm using it to learn for myself, you know, in a future project, if I work on this and just to help this community and project and, and test a bunch of stuff. And I think the testing is the important piece here. And so, you know, we started with the mission of let's go, can a DAO buy a piece of land? Right. We did. And that, that was cool. You know, you're out a bunch of money together and we bought it. And that was amazing. Like that's the power of these groups of people that have a shared vision and can go do it. And then the next version of that is what are we doing with it? And this is where I actually learned about what ownership was. As you start to unravel it, it's easy to say, let's put land on chain. But that statement alone isn't the whole story. It's like, well, what does it really mean? And so today, the way to do it is, you know, you have a, a company, an LLC as like a legal wrapper to hold the title, and then you can represent that on chain. So it's even once removed, right? I think in a decade or two, we'll start to see the primitive come down to like county level. So whatever the county says is law, right? So what their registry says is who owns it, right? Once they start using cryptography or crypto tools or whatever ledger they want to do it on, that's kind of the source of truth. I think we'll get there, but it's more yeah, monkeying with the ways that we can represent ownership. And yeah, so yeah, Parcel Zero is like this experiment of one, realizing how messy it is to come to consensus on what this means and how we want to do it. But also you start to look at a lot of other projects. I mentioned Fundrise, you know, allowing people ownership. Well, you start with REITs, you get Fundrise, you get Realty. So each time these things get more liquid, but also the community for Realty is much more cohesive than the community for a REIT. No one knows each other. No one cares. But you keep going down the line and Realty has a community. They have people in their Telegram. They talk, they know each other. And then I think CityDAO is an extension of that. And so community gets a little more cohesive. And then governance and your ability to say something keeps increasing. So that whole spectrum is getting more community focused, more governance power. 
at the same time trying to attribute real ownership to people. And so it's like, it's just a piece in this line of increasing power of people and what we're curious about. And it's still out whether this is good or not to have a bunch of random strangers try and come to consensus about what to do with something. Like bare piece of land is one thing. I think some interesting questions, like should you have a community decide what to build somewhere, like in an urban space, or it's kind of endless. Like we let the community pick a facade color. Like how far do you go? And what is important? I think some things that are interesting too is sometimes decisions matter to people locally. And sometimes decisions don't have a local bent, I guess. Like how big a structure is, is going to care more to people that live there opposed to the people that want it as an investment. So I'm excited to see what kind of experiments people are interested in and what people want to dream up. And part of this is fighting through decisions and trying to understand the limits of what we want everyone to decide on versus what's legally possible. And there's so many trajectories here. And also, like, what would we like people to have voting rights on and ownership on versus where we are today? How do we reverse engineer to get there? And again, talking with different policymakers and political figures is, is really clarifying to me that there is. And part of the purpose of the show, of course, is to start building those bridges to have these conversations, right? Maybe City Dow can get to a spot where, first of all, we understand what we can and can't do currently, which that is a huge process in and of itself, because it's not exactly clear sometimes, of course. And then also present simultaneously right beside it, look, this is where we would like to be. This is what we want to achieve. And as a vehicle for this experiment, City Dow is like you said, in active discussions nonstop. Some of them are clear on the same side. Sometimes you're fighting to get a point across or whatever it happens to be. And we're ultimately working towards this. First of all, yeah, do we understand where we are today and have clarity? Where do we want to go? And then and then if we can start to build that roadmap, how do we connect these two together? What sort of steps need to take today to have voting rights or ownership or both physically connected to the token or the NFT, whatever it happens to be? And what's their limitations could there exist on that? What are the if, ands, and buts? And almost have like a, a legal draft, you could say, of this is what we're proposing. And I wonder if City Dow can get to a spot where we can propose certain new regulations and propose a path forward that takes into consideration not just what the community wants here, but the numerous layers of intricacies that a policymaker has to consider when going through the decision-making process. You know, one of the things that a lot of people comment on with the Bill 38, the Dow Bill in Wyoming, is that it's so simple and straightforward. And it's a great thing that it's simple and straightforward. And it's also leaving a lot of questions. And how else does this work? One of the things that's hit me is there's dozens of other cryptocurrency-related bylaws that have been introduced throughout Wyoming that essentially create this foundational layer that Bill 38 is, of course, built upon. And the next bills will just be built upon that and upon that and upon that. And it takes, obviously, a lot of time to thoroughly understand the full system of what we're dealing with. And it would be really interesting to see CityDAO be able to propose suggestions and, and propose paths forward to regulators. It, do you think that that's something you might be involved with over the next several months? Or would you suggest or, or maybe predict that a guild might pop up? Let's say a proposals guild or, or let's say regulation adjustment guild, whatever you, whatever you want to call it. Do you think that's some coming up? I do, actually. So I think that probably falls in, there's a guild forming called Public Affairs. And so those are it's kind of gathered a bunch of people interested in reaching out to regulators or people in local positions 
one to kind of share what we're up to, to get opinions, try and explain what we think regulation could be, getting feedback, like what do you see as barriers? Do you think this is a good idea? So I think they have a political outreach mindset of like having those conversations. And I think the podcast is too, or the podcast is also great about trying to connect people and have some of these conversations. You know, I think about planning too. Planning is like a very contentious, like planning review and where things get built. That's a very contentious thing. There's lots of regulation and zoning around that. And so making those systems better, more efficiently, gather input, I think that can always be improved. I think there's a lot to learn from both sides. And I think making the connections is important. So I think there's, yeah, there's definitely a group of people that are interested in doing that. What do you do for your regular day job, you could say? What's your type of business and background coming into this with? My full-time job, I'm an architect. Uh, I'm building a fire station right now, a tsunami tower. So I have, even though it's sometimes a very short window, well, sometimes short, six months maybe, for like a planning process, I get a little bit of insight into how that works. You know, I've done community sessions where we're proposing a fire station and you get the local community together. One, how you have those conversations is it's hard to kind of set the whole thing up and make sure you're getting enough good feedback. You're also not trying to propose anything that anyone's totally against, but there's like consensus there too. You might have one person that has an issue or thinks something's, or there's going to be a negative effect. That stuff's really hard. Permitting, zoning, that stuff, there's so much constraint on what you're about to build. Sometimes it kind of already know the general color size that you're going to end up with. Yeah. Permitting is sometimes slower, in especially like larger jurisdictions, a lot slower than people might think. I think I had a project that took like six months to get a, a permit for. So it's a very long time. And it's an uncertain process too. I mean, I, I used to have a, in, in my past life, you could say I had a construction company and we did small, medium, large size projects, residential, commercial, mostly exteriors. And, and when it came to zoning, you know, periodically we would either need to get a, a modification for some of the work that we're doing or a revision or even just a review. And in order to even get the review process going for zoning or permitting, we have to pay for it first, plan out the project, have all the details done and essentially burden this huge cost before the city would even really review. And then they would take their time, of course, and get back to us and say, nope, can't do it. Or maybe, or this is what you need to do in addition to what you're saying. But the thing that they suggest changes the whole scope. Everything's different. It was a scary process to go ahead and in most extreme case, buy a piece of land with the intention of doing something different on it and not knowing if it's going to pass until after you buy it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the challenges at City now too, is that because we're dealing with physical things, there's a lot more, there's red tape around it. There's more legal considerations and we should take all that carefully, obviously. But some people are primed for the crypto world and they're like, well, you guys can just do that in like a week, right? So CityDAO moves just inherently slower when you're dealing with real stuff and other things outside of the computer. So I think there's sometimes the expectations for how fast things should move can be a little out of, out of balance. And did you notice that in the council or just like generally on the Discord? Or? No, the council, because we were just dealing with text, basically, like you can iterate pretty fast, but it's more with legal structures and we purchased land fairly quickly, but dealing with land in general is just going to take weeks longer. You got a lot more people to interface with and yeah, building anything in the real world takes several years. And so yeah, sometimes I think tempering that too. Some people 
They're like, well, we should just build something. Well, it's going to take you three years. Are you ready for that? Do you want to commit to it? And so there's a lot to learn there. Are you a part of any other DAOs? Not as involved. I lurk in a lot, obviously. I don't contribute a whole lot to any others right now. Yeah, full-time job. City DAO has been like a hobby and taking up some time. And it's a huge hobby. It takes up a lot of time, right? It's, it's like the, the more I get involved, the more other people get involved. There's just more to do, right? There's a good treasury. There's a healthy revenue. There's a good community. There's a lot of thought leaders. There's a diverse perspective. And there's a lofty goal. There's a lot to the project. And I find when I go into other DAOs and you know poke around and get involved in the conversations, there's a very different vibe, a very different feel from DAO to DAO. And going through the council process that you just did and going through the charter creation process, I mean, I mean, some DAOs open day one with zero people in a Discord and a fully flushed out charter or operating agreement or however you want to call it. And others are still trying to figure it out. You know, City DAO maybe comes somewhere in the middle. And I'm curious if you have any lessons about a charter formation. Like if you were to start a DAO tomorrow, what sort of things would you say that you'd be doing right away? Because you learned through trial and error, you could say. And of course, this isn't a criticism on anything that's happened. It's just a, you know, reflection in hindsight, right? We, we all, we made some good progress. So I just wanted to clarify. Oh, definitely. There, I mean, there will be a lot of things to do differently. One, I think there's almost like a few month window where DAOs were started off tweets. I wouldn't recommend it necessarily, right? Because it, it gets a lot of interest and it's easy to digest, but it takes a a lot more effort and structure. There's always the, well, DAOs should be decentralized from the get-go, right? And I think uh, we're realizing that's not the case and it shouldn't be the case. So starting with like a small group of people and really thinking about all of the stuff, like all the stuff in the charter could have been handled by a few people early on to really set the stage. And then once you build a community around that kernel of like how the, the organization should work, it's much easier to scale it because things are more clear. It was hard at the beginning, like we had established a core team and the only designation was there was like some discord permissions and we're talking closer and more often. That's just inevitable. Like there's a word for it, like working groups shouldn't be more than 10 people, right? Like it's hard to get consensus with a lot, a lot of people, you get a lot of noise. So Starting with a core group of people, whether you find them randomly or you already know them, I've seen that successful. You kind of start with a very clear idea of what's happening and you build from there and you can decentralize over time. And there's going full decentralized from day one is near impossible. And that spectrum is pretty long. It is. You know, I'm giving a talk tomorrow about DAOs on a, on a speaker panel and, I, and I've been considering like, what am I going to say? And one of the controversial things I think I'm going to throw on the table and see how the audience reacts is that I might propose that DAOs aren't DAOs. Which DAOs exist today that are actually decentralized and actually autonomous? There's three parts to a DAO, decentralized autonomous organization. The O part's correct. It is definitely an organization of, of human behavior and human thought. That's true, an effort. But the decentralized and the autonomous are big question marks. And to me, you know, obviously buzzwords catch on and they go crazy and people are like, oh, I got a DAO, I'm going to do a DAO. And that's great. And, and what I'm starting to understand is that it's more of a mission statement. To call something a DAO is to state, this is the vision that we have. This is the direction we're going. And this is ultimately something we want to achieve. It's not something achieved day one. And that's a big shift in thought process and communication that I think it would be helpful for people online to understand is that just because something's called a DAO doesn't mean that it is. 
in fact, you know, what DAOs are actually out there that, that are truly decentralized and autonomous. So I like how CityDAO has put together this implicit mission and vision that we're going to become decentralized and autonomous. And the charter was a really big part of that. And now there's, if I remember correctly, how many days are left now before the charter goes up for actual voting on? Is it another two weeks or something like that? It should go up sooner than that. There's some people polishing the operating agreement. So that goes up at the same time as the charter, kind of as one nice, neat package, because that was the CIP that formed the council. It's like only purpose was to do the charter and the operating agreement. So those are just being finalized. And then it'll go up and kind of get community approval and then go into effect. They're heavy reads. They are deep, heavy reads by many standards. Yeah, it took a lot of time from a lot of really smart people. And it's something that it's going to live and the charter isn't perfect. There's things that will need change. There's things we're going to learn. I think you're absolutely right. Most DAOs are probably not DAOs. You know, they're not that decentralized or autonomous. And that's okay too, right? It's, it's not a criticism. It's just, let's just be clear here on what we're saying, right? We're aspiring to become a DAO. We're aspiring to be decentralized and autonomous. And I think that most DAOs could probably agree on that. It's just important to understand that there is a difference between having achieved the goal versus pushing and experimenting towards it. Yeah. And I think there's been this narrative of DAOs are going to eat the world and take over all companies. Like, I don't think that should be the case. I don't think DAOs are the right fit for everything. Some things are better off as a company. Sometimes you just need the hierarchy. Communities are like jet fuel. Like DAOs are exciting when you need a bunch of energy and a bunch of people with a bunch of different views and perspectives. And when there's like a, a real purpose for that. And yeah, not everything needs that. And sometimes it can be, we experience this, maybe like another lessons learned was getting some attention is good, but getting too much attention too fast is bad. You know, Vitalik mentioned us in a blog and you get the influx of people right? and the structure wasn't there to handle it. So we didn't have the things that the charters is attempting to lay out all the structure and how we work and how we communicate that didn't exist. So you get an influx of people and especially with blogs or things that capture people quickly. Not everyone did all the reading and you come in and it's like Jeff Fuel and it, it was chaotic actually. <laughs> We're always reactionary of trying to onboard people and communicate what this was about, trying to put people in roles that they could contribute and keep people around and find the right people. You, you know, obviously with crypto, there's a lot of floor price talk. So what I love about CityDAO is one that just isn't, that's not something that's like a reoccurring conversation. It's something that sure people come in and are, are curious about, but that's the smallest kind of irrelevant piece, which I really appreciate. There's not a lot of when moon conversations. I don't see that very often. Yeah. I love that secondary or third or fourth or, or whatever. There's, there's other stuff. And that's what I think is cool that people are brought here or even though maybe it's not clear in everyone's head, like why they're really fascinated, but there's something about physical space still that people want to have control of. And I think a lot of that is about control and we don't always have control of our cities. And that's, I think, what we're yearning for is like a bit of say and something over our physical space. And we're going to be in physical space for a very long time <laughs> and it's here and we want to have a say in it. If I was to take a step back and ask you, what would be your ideal version of where CityDAO might go over the next, say, 12 months or even 24 months? Do you have a vision of where you would like this to go? Or are you more on the experimentation side and let's just see where the journey takes us? It's a great question. Something that I've been putting together in my head 
one, there's competing visions about what trajectory they should go. But I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I want people to experiment with different things. And what I think is cool with the first couple of months, what I found most fascinating was I was working on this rental idea. Yeah, I don't think it's new. I'm, I'm, other people are alluding to similar structures, right? But I was never able to find those people. So part of writing that was like, well, I need someone that knows securities law. I need someone that's professional in real estate. I need someone that knows a lot about finance. And so me cold calling those people or paying a lawyer $700 an hour to like have a conversation with me about this idea wasn't possible. So jumping in here the first few months, I was like, this is where everyone is. Like I now have all of these skill sets. I didn't have friends that could write smart contracts before this. Now I do. I can ask questions. Hey, is this crazy? Why doesn't this work? Kind of thing. And we met a lot of people with similar ideas about tokenomics and real estate. And so it was a shelling point to find those people. So that was super cool. And, and I think from that, once you have a bunch of friends with a bunch of skills that you need, it's less of a barrier to test stuff out. You know, you don't have to make cold calls and convince someone you're not crazy. So I want to see a lot of different experiments. I think purchasing land and trying to figure out what to do from the ground up is interesting, even if it's lightweight stuff, just letting people use it recreationally. You can let people park their van on it and you kind of and let that kind of be a wild card. I think that's one. I think there's a software component, you know, people developing software or smart contracts to deal with transferring real estate, you know, and like what is that intersection? How low can you go towards the county jurisdiction? I think that's really interesting. You know, I personally and selfishly want to see if staircase can fit here. You know, like, is this a chance for me to try out some of these ideas, even just experimentally? Like, can I get some people's time and we can really like try and flesh it out now that I know a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me in all these areas? I think that's really cool. And then there's kind of the network city side of what if you had space in your city you can go to and use almost like a club version, right? You have access to a bunch of different stuff. And I try to condense a vision that I had. And the best tagline would have been or would be own your city. You know, like how can we give residents of a place the most ownership and access to the places that they use every day, their homes, where they work. That's an interesting slogan. I like that. Own your city. Have you proposed that yet? Is that a discussion point? I've shared with a few people so far. I need a little time to broadcast it, but I think that's a lot of what people want. You want control, ownership. What also kicked this thinking off for me about cities and ownership was I lived in an apartment building and someone from California came in and bought it, right? They raised rents. I'm like, wait, you're in California. What? Why do you have a say in what happens here opposed to all the people that live here every day? And that disconnect is only getting worse because we can purchase stuff all over the world. So I think, yeah, being able to own your city and own those places, people can live somewhere for 30 years and not have a real say in where they live or where they work. You can work in a bakery for 20 years and then your building gets demolished because there's finance at play. Interesting. I'm going to play with that a little bit and bring it up as well on Discord a bit. Own your city. And what does that even mean? I mean, the stronger a city is, the better the real estate values as one connection. Exactly. Yeah. So like, yeah, communities, places are valuable because of the people there and exciting things that are happening. And I think the common gentrification model is an arts district. It's 
really interesting and there's interesting people and cool stuff happening. So people want to pile in there, rents get higher and those people get pushed out. And then you get these more lifeless places that they don't have a lot of character, the vibrancy drops, and that stuff isn't quantifiable very easily. That's why it's so hard to pin down, but it matters. And the life gets sucked out of some of these places or, or new cities that pop up really quick without a chance to like mature and build people that are, are setting down roots. They don't have the same vibrancy in life as like cities that take a longer time to mature do. And it's a direct result of communities and people and living their life. Well, the vision we're building towards here is one that obviously I'm really interested in as well. And people listening are really interested as well. And with the charter coming out and being officialized, it marks a really big milestone here in CityDAO. And it opens up what's coming up for spring. So I'll keep in touch with you. And anyone that's listening, you can join the Discord. We definitely encourage you to just jump in the conversation, throw in your idea. And if anything here struck you as interesting or made your brain start to spin a little bit about owning your city or you know whatever it is, Throw that idea and start that conversation in our Discord channel, our Discord server. There's different channels for every different type of subject, but basically everyone's voice gets heard. It's very rare to see a comment go by without someone replying back. So definitely check out our Discord. There's going to be a link to that in the show notes of the episode here. There's also going to be a link to the article about Staircase that Alex wrote, so you can read that in your own time. And uh, you know, check out our Twitter as well. Make sure to share the episode with your friends and and. We'll see you online on Discord. So Alex, thanks again for having the time here and for taking the time to come out here on the show and chat and share your opinions. Uh, appreciate it a lot. And you any, any sort of, well, I guess maybe if you had a final question, I'd say, you know, is there anything on your mind that you would want people listening to this show to think about? You know, some people are in the DAO, some people are not. What's a thought subject that you would want people to think about here? I kind of want to reiterate your point of if you have something to say, just find the place to say it. And this goes for CityDAO, it goes for all DAOs. Sometimes it can feel like you can say something and no one reads it, but I swear it gets read. I think I read almost everything. And yeah, just speak up, say what's on your mind, get involved. It's not as scary if you think it's you don't fit somewhere. Yeah, everyone's got a place. Yeah, if you're ever concerned, just make an anonymous account and start sharing ideas from there. Then no one even knows who you are. And it's a stepping stone. It's a way to you know get your feet wet, not worry about the fears of criticism or embarrassment or any of that stuff. Great thing about being online. Yeah, it's hard. It's messy. It can be frustrating, but it's rewarding. And it's been really fun. All right, everyone. We'll see you online. Thanks for checking out the City Dow podcast. My name is Eric. I'm your host. And we will be publishing another episode every week ongoing, most likely for the rest of the year. So make it a great week and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.